this morning. I want to ask you, if you have a Bible, to pick it up and turn with me to Exodus chapter 2 as we continue our journey. We are finished with Exodus 1. Again, there's so much that we could have spoken about that we will uh, move on to chapter 2. I'm going to read to you 10 verses. I'll ask you to, to read with me. If you have your Bibles, please open it up. If you have a device where you can swipe towards it, go past WhatsApp, go past Instagram. It's there. It's that Bible app that you have there somewhere. Just go find it, all right? And, um, and turn there with me, please. And we're going to read this together from uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while a young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. But when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. We introduced to you this morning the hero of the story of Exodus, from the book of Exodus. It's title of our message simply this morning is Step by Step. And we are going to... Go into the life as we start this morning of a man that, that really became a hero, a man called Moses. And his life is actually an incredible story to follow. And here today we read he's born and, and, and just how God in this initial stages of his life, which really, if we look at these first 10 verses, it's only about three months or so, a little bit more, perhaps, when he was weaned then. But it introduces us to this man. So I want to read to you, first of all, that first verse again. It says, now a man, say with me, man. Yeah. All right? 
from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. Say with me, woman. Man, woman. Any names? Man, woman. <laughs> and so what I want to talk about first of all is that we find in the story of Moses a man and a woman. Alright, that helps him make a boy. Have you ever considered that? Right? Many of you understand that philosophy and that practicality. But a man and a woman came about and they found each other and they produced a wonderful boy. Very interesting is that their names are not mentioned. You notice that, hey? You only found their name once in the Bible. Where in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20, it is referred to as the parents' names and given as Anyone? Amram and Jochebed. Not Jochebed, just Jochebed. No, that's an interesting name. Jochebed, which is the Lord's glory. So Amram and Jochebed are introduced, but they never really are featuring anywhere else just by their names. They're just introduced as this man and a woman. And they're not from the most prominent or popular tribe either. They're just from the house of Levi, one of the 12 tribes. And, and said, so very interesting, although their names are not really mentioned here, well it's not mentioned at all, it's only in Exodus 6 as I told you, they had a faith in God and were available for His plans. They, they had something in their hearts. We're not known, we, they're not known to us by their names initially, but what is known about them is actually most important. Sometimes we want to introduce ourselves by virtue of our names, which we do, but actually what is most important is not our names is what we carry in our hearts, isn't it? I find that it's incredibly interesting if you study this throughout the Bible that there's so many people who have no names in the Bible. You know, like we compare has this no-name brand. Have you ever seen that? They call it the no-name brand. It's not like whatever product or whatever brand. It's just a no-name brand. And, and, and you find no-name brands in the Bible. Plenty of them. Plenty of them, and, and, and you find that even though their names are not mentioned, there's something about their hearts that are mentioned. And so the point is this, that, that God gives us identity outside of just names. And when God wants to use us, our identity in Him shapes our lives and helps with the transformation of the lives that we will come in contact with. So we need to find identity in God first. And all of you have names here this morning. That's great. Names and surnames. But actually that does never and should never define us. What should define us is our faith in God. And you look at John chapter 4, for instance, just as a quick example. There's a lady that, that Jesus approaches. And all we know is that she's a Samaritan woman at the well. No name. But something amazing about her becomes well known. We don't have time to go into that. You can go read it. We read about the woman that when Jesus was in a certain house, she came in and she poured perfume all over him. She washed his feet with her tears. Who was she? I don't know. Maybe there is a name later on. Perhaps it could be attributed. But she was just a woman that, that spent all of this money on perfume to worship the king. It was something in our heart. And it's irrelevant in the sense of the name. 
Because what we catch is the heart. So please let us always endeavor to let what is in our hearts towards God become known, not just first of all our names. Sometimes our names may never be mentioned in many of various circles. But what should be mentioned is your faith in God. So identity in God is the key for us. Because this whole thing of, of, of Moses' life and being introduced to him, to him is helping us understand how God can use people step by step. And so he shows us here that, you know what, I can use anyone even if they don't have names. They did have names, but even if I don't mention their names. So don't go looking around for your name to be mentioned. Is that okay? It's a bit tough, isn't it? Yeah. Why don't you go around looking for the fame of Christ, the, the name of Christ to be spread through your life? And so, we need to understand that there's something that God says about us that is most important than just a name that you can say and can use about yourself. So the question I want to ask you is, do you know what God says about you? Do you know what your identity in Christ is? Do you know what He thinks about you? You would probably know what other people think about you. I know that you know what you think about yourself. <laughs> But do you know what God thinks about you? Because that's your real identity. And it seems like these, these simple two people, Amram and Jacob, their names are not mentioned. They use mightily by God. Somehow, there's something about their lives, which I'll take you to later, that stand out and that's their faith in God. Our real identity is identity is really only possible when we go look for it in the Bible. Our real identity is not found in where we come from and where we go. And what we may become. If you're a student studying, you're hoping to become a professor. Boy, when I get to that place when somebody can call me professor, my identity is arrived. Imagine spending so much money on something that actually could never <coughs> give you real identity. Your identity is simply found in Scripture. When you look at it, I'm going to give you two verses. Psalm 100, verse 3. And I'm going to read it. And, and it's not on the board, I know, but it actually is so good for you to read it yourself. So why don't you turn with me to Psalm 100. And I'm going to read to you verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord, He is God. So first of all, know who God is. Before you can find out who your identity, or what your identity is, you're going to know who God is. It says, Know that the Lord, Psalms 100, Verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. So your understanding of where your identity comes is what God says about you. You've got to study that. You've got to read that. The second one is in the New Testament, in Ephesians, as we just talked about helping each other understand that identity goes far beyond the man. Ephesians 2, verse 19 says the following. So then, you, that's you, all right? Paul is writing to believers. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, then this is who he is speaking to. You. Speak to your name and say, this is to you. And just ask them if they are saved. No, no, no. It says in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers. Don't call your husband a stranger. Because <laughs> it's not biblical. All right? 
It says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Some of them behave like aliens sometimes, isn't it? Huh? Anyway, it says, you're no longer that, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's who you are. Come on. You belong to a family. You have a place. You have a child. You are a child. No? You have a child. Maybe some of you have child, children. But um, you are a child. And this is what God is trying to tell us through Paul here. That you have identity. Part of this family means that, hey, have a place of belonging. You're not a stranger. In God, that's who you are. Once you recognize that you're part of God's family, you come to grips with the fact that you belong, and therefore you are a legitimate child of God. Don't let anyone tell you that that you're not legitimately his. By the way, this is the highest status that we can have on earth. I know that there are physical levels that describe people's status. You know, your highness, the queen, the king. But you know what? This is the highest status that anybody can have. Son, daughter of God. That's true identity. Because the other stuff are all temporal. The things that we give one another, the statuses that we attribute to people, they're all man-made. Come on. But this status, this identity comes from God when He says, You are my son. You are my daughter, my beloved ones. I am yours. My, you are, I'm your God. You are mine. There's nothing higher than that. So to try to fight for something, live for our identity, and work for an identity that, that man can give you, is temporal. But to experience and to accept the highest honor you could ever get from God comes for free. You don't have to work at it. You receive it through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That's why when you look at Amram and Jochebed, there's something about us then being simple people that can be used by God in a mighty way that we need to hold. The second thing I want to take you to, back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, as we just continue with this life, is that it says, life of Moses. It says, the woman conceived and bore a son. Stop there. There's a comma. The woman conceived and bore a son. How did that come about? All right, two people got together, male, female, you know, the birds and the bees, da-da-da-da, and boom, there's a child. But now consider this with you, that Amram and Jochebed are in, are in Egypt. They're slaves. They're part of a nation that are slaves to the Egyptians. They've just heard an edict from the Pharaoh saying that every boy child that is born will be killed, be thrown into the Nile. He will be killed. So now they are in that context. And they've got to now consider, well, if we have a child, there's a possibility of this child being a boy. What are we going to do? Because it's been commanded and issued that every boy child has to be killed. So how will we handle this? There must have been something, stick with me a bit. There must have been something that said in their heart, we will have the faith that no matter what happens, we will trust the Lord. 
that something will come about. Go with me to Hebrews 11 as we just talk about the faith of the heroes from the Old Testament. If you ever want to read about other people's faith, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about so many people, here it talks about his parents again without name. How's that? Verse 23, 11, Hebrews 11 verse 23. It says, by faith Moses, it's not the faith of Moses, by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents. Alright? Amram, Jochebed, no name. Just by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict or his command. They were not afraid of what the king said they should do. So here you have something about parents that say, what we believe for our child is more important than what our circumstances determine. We will not be governed by what the world says about having children at such a time. Yes, there's a possibility that this could be a boy. But you know what? We're not afraid of what the king says. We will trust our God that something good will come out of it. Now Moses, basically the savior that we find in the Old Testament that points towards Christ. Obviously, he's not the, the ultimate savior. But Moses, his life comes from a moment, or not a moment, but a lifestyle of faith in God that says we will not let the king determine the future of our children. We will let God determine that. So come on. We live in a world where we're so overwhelmed by what happens around us. And we're like, I don't know if we can have children yet. I don't know if we can do this. And I can't imagine if we can manage with that because everybody else is saying the following. They had a heart that said, we do not fear what the world is saying. Now, I'm not saying have 20 children, maybe 18. No, I'm just saying that there are things in our lives that God wants to birth, that He wants to give life to, that He wants to born through, be born through you. Ideas, concepts, plans, projects, businesses. Things, not just children. Some of you getting excited when you think, yeah, I can have more children. We're not going to look in any direction now. But, but the point is there's more than what that God wants to birth through us than just physical children. And you cannot let the world environment determine for you what God wants to do in you and through you. You've got to be wise, I understand. But if God puts a desire in you and the seed that plant that he plants in you for whatever it may be. Don't let the king's edict and his command tell you that you cannot. Because they did not get ruled by that. And today we celebrate what God did through Moses. Because Amram and Jochebed said, we will trust our God in spite of So step by step, Moses went into his preferred future that God had for him. Because parents... We're prepared to trust God. We know that they did. Imagine again, just with me, Abraham and Jacobin. So, so these guys are among millions of others that are slaves. A couple of generations before them, 
Jacob had come into, into Egypt as a man of God with the testimony of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and serving the God of Abraham, Isaac. And so now, 400 years later, we find that, that the, the concept of faith is not that strong anymore amongst the Israelites or this nation, the sons of Jacob. But yet in the midst of that, we have two individuals that say, we will fear God more. And last week when Kilton spoke, he spoke about these midwives that did the same. They said they feared God more than they feared the king. And we need to understand that these guys had very little at their disposal to be able to trust God, to have faith in God. They had no Bible. They had no church. They had no spiritual gatherings. Because it wasn't evident at that time that the people of the Jews, the Jews, had those practices amongst them. Yet, they believed God. If they could, in the midst of that, being slaves, constantly being watched, could say, we will fear God more than the king. How much more can we not do it today? You have Holy Spirit with you. You have the Word of God with you. You have people amongst you that, that believe with you. That support you. You have WhatsApp that you receive multiple times a day of God is good and all those wonderful messages that you get. You have so much at your disposal. Come on. We have no excuse. We actually have no excuse. Amran Jacoba. Believe God. And then open up the way for Moses to come from that context. What else can come from the faith that you and I can have in God today? What can be built in your life? Through your life? A man and a woman conceived and bore a son. That son came to deliver a nation. Because a man and a woman trust, put their trust in God. Beautiful, beautiful story. So the question I want to ask you is, what new thing does God want to birth in us as a church even through everything around us that seems to be against us? What is it that God has called us as Kingston Church that God wants to birth through us and produce new things? And some of that we'll touch on on Tuesday night. But God has put us here not just to try to survive, but to thrive and to multiply and to bring about new things and to birth new things. Can it come through people like you? There could be so many reasons why we say, well, not only a king's edict, but the reasons that we live amongst them, all sorts of things. We've just come out of, or come out of, I hope is the right way to put it, come out of this, this pandemic thing called COVID. And, and there's this polarization that has taken place, a separate, separation between people. And, and now we kind of try to gather again as the people of God and pursue a future in Him and, and reach out to others. Well, people are like skittish. Oh, God, don't come close to me. And there's this, there's this separation because some people want to have masks and some people don't want to gather and some people want to have social distance and oh, there's the vaccination thing on top of all of that, like even more polarization taking place. In the midst of that, we say, come, let's, let's pursue what God has for us as a church. The king's edicts are hanging over us. In spite of that, we are saying as a people of God, no, this is a time for us to plant. To see things grow, to reach out, to build homes, 
to have families, to make a difference in this world. We cannot withdraw into our own little shelter and say, no, 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 let's just hide away. There's a weariness of people in the wake of having to deal with so many issues that we're going through. There's this, this general hopelessness and discouragement and, and, and economic pressures and all these things that are happening. We're like, oh, let's just not go forward. Let's just stay put for a while and just see the season out that could last another 25 years and hope for the best. Yet God puts faith in the hearts of an Amram and a Dokabet saying, you can have a child. I'll look after him. I'll show you how. We've got to be fruitful in this time. It's not a time for just to close shop and it's a time to be fruitful because God's people are called to be fruitful no matter what, step by step. How fruitful is your life at the moment? What new thing does God perhaps want to birth in you and through you? How's your level of fruitfulness? What's hanging on your tree? Do you see these rotten fruit like just boom, boom, dropping off and nobody's really benefiting from it? Or is it these shiny fruit that people run to like, man, I want to just taste of something of what you have in your heart. How fruitful are you at the moment? Is there new growth in your walk with God? Is there new spiritual growth for your family? Many of you are involved in families. What's happening in your family? How fruitful is your family spiritually? How fruitful are your relationships with others? People of the faith and people outside of faith. How fruitful are your relationships that you've been struggling with for many years? It's just broken down relationships that you have. God wants to bring fruitfulness in that. In spite of what people have said. In spite of. Then we read on in verse 2b. It says, The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. I love this. I honestly believe that, that God gave Jacob the ability to discern that there was something special in this child. Something special, a special call of God on his life. And he gave her a, the faith to, to prepare him for that. So that it's a fine child. And she went and she hid him for three months. And I believe those, those of us that walk with faith in our hearts, we see something that others may not see. Maybe, maybe her, her friends, Jacobet's friends, were like, you dare not do this. Because a baby of up to three months makes noises. Hey? And it's difficult. That's why she couldn't hide it probably after three months anymore. And maybe so they were all upset with her and saying, listen, you bring perhaps danger upon all of us. Because they'll say, how oh, but you knew. And then they'll take us out. Now come on, but there was a faith in Jochebed that said, I can see something that maybe none of you see. And isn't it possible that we can live like this too? That we can have the spiritual eyesight to see things that nobody else sees. And that doesn't make us better than anybody else, by the way. We just, by faith, we are seeing things that no one else sees. And can you perhaps look at your family? We can start there first. And see things in your children that nobody else can see because they're not that close. But see the things that God wants you to see. Open eyes again. To say, there's a Moses in my house. 
He has a different name. She has a different name. Praise the Lord. I don't know if everybody wants to have the Moses name. That's not wrong. nothing wrong with that. But the point is, you've got to see in your children something that God wants to show to you. I think it's sometimes sad that we, we as parents are, are, are told by others, did you notice this about your child? Jeez, thanks for helping me see that. By the grace of God, you can do that. But as a parent, I believe you need to open your eyes to see what God wants you to see about your children. Don't just see the stuff that you're like, oh, oh that thing again. Oh, see the future in them. See, see God's hand upon them. See the potential that God has put in them. Fine child. Tell your child, maybe today, you're a fine child. <laughs> You're a fine child. And look for that. There are beautiful things in the lives of the people around us. I believe that also that we need to start seeing. And, and, um, and it's so easy to point it towards ourselves. Like, God, please show me the beautiful things in me. I know that there are more than I've already seen. And I get plenty more God. Please show them to me. And that's nothing wrong. You can't just become self-focused and self-centered. The beautiful prayer is actually to say, God, help me to see the beautiful things in my spouse, my children, my parents, my siblings, my friends, my colleagues. Come on. That'll keep you busy. I think we become too self-centered that it's most often, but oh, it's good in me that God wants to use. It's fine. He'll tell you every time. Rather ask the question, let me see the fineness in the lives of other people and help me, Lord God, to develop that and, and, and protect that with them and make sure that that grows. That's what Anna and Dr. Beth did. The fourth thing here is in verse 4, where it says, um, no, verse 3 rather, when she could hide him no longer, the baby became too loud. She took him and made this, this beautiful. Uh, basket, and then she put the child in it and played it amongst the reeds by the river bank. And so she got to the place where she realized that she's done everything she could. She's now handing it over, handing it over to the Lord. And I mean, it's radical, hey? It's radical. It's like, take your child, here you go, baby, bless you. And now, I'm not suggesting that you do that with your children. Some of them are too old to be put into a basket. Um, some of them will rebel if you try to put them into a basket. The point is, we, we put our children in a basket by saying, God, I've done everything I can, and I am doing all that I can, but now I trust you. And maybe the other things that you that you carry, that you also should be putting into a basket and say, God, I've done everything I can, and I keep on trying and praying, but ultimately, you're the one that will make this succeed or not. Otherwise, we become too obsessed with the, the thing in our hands that God has given us. This project, this person, in the form of a child. And I want to speak lovingly and kindly to all parents. Put your seatbelt on quickly and don't walk away now because of a possible offense. All right? Because there are those parents amongst us. That, that get so 
under pressure that we've got to do everything for our children and we possibly can because we only have them for that number of years and, and we every time every moment every hour every minute is just about what they want what we can give them and what they should have and giving them to, to the lord is like no it's my control now i'll give it to you when they're 18. no no she did it after three months in the basket there you go my child you go to school I can't be there for you. I can't do everything for you. I can't keep you a whole afternoon busy with all these activities that you that you ought to have because I think you ought to have them. Now there's a space where the children need to just be children too. The seatbelts are getting tight now. Eh? I want to ask you, please make sure that you are able to give space for your children to just be children too. And I appreciate all that you're doing to make them grow in areas and extra this and extra that and whatever else. But children cannot control your life. Otherwise, you become so obsessed with them that the children see that they're the most important in your life. That ultimately, when God wants to fit in there, they're like, no, no, mommy, daddy, you can't give attention to, to, to God because, hey, we're here. All the time should come to us. And so what you're teaching them is a wrong understanding of what it means to worship God. Our children become more important than God. And we need to help them whatever stage they are, to see that God is the most important. Anyway, still love you. I hope you still love me. <laughs> so that's what she had to do. She had to hand over. She realized that she couldn't. There's a place in time now where, I mean, if I, if I keep on holding on, there's a danger that will come to this time. And by God's incredible divine providence, we see that he did the rest. That's one verses 4 to 10, where this amazing thing where Miriam found herself. Miriam is, is Moses' sister. It's, I don't know, probably about 7 to 10 years older. Maybe she was in the early teens because she had the right understanding to be around when Pharaoh's daughter. By the way, there's another name that does not exist. Pharaoh's daughter. What was her name? Pharaoh's daughter. She raised the man who will save two and a half million people. What's her name? Pharaoh's daughter. That's all we get. But God says, value is not found in your name. Value is found in what I think about you. Yes. And so, beautiful thing that God then eventually brings this beautiful story to the place where, where we go into verse 11, it says, one day when Moses had grown up. So everything leading up to Moses being grown up is this Beautiful step-by-step process where identity is involved. Fruitfulness is, is pursued no matter what the situation is. People have incredible faith that, that says, God can do everything. I'm going to hand over my child and trust Him that the best will come. And so I want to just close this morning. That we live in an environment where there are also these pressures around us. We first of all have to find that as we go step by step into what God has for us, we're going to start by recognizing what God says about us. I think too often we run after God's plans for us instead of God's heart towards us. Because we are more prone to do than to be. What that results in is, I want to find out what I need to do. 
What more can I do? Instead of finding out who God says you are. There are so many tests here that you can write. These could be a guy and stuff and, you know, skills tests and whatever it may be. To establish, what can I do? There's only the word of God to help you understand who you are. Where do we talk towards? So we end up with people knowing what to do, but not knowing who they are. We live in a lopsided world. We're so focused on doing instead of on being a child of God. You don't do a child of God. Okay, let's go do child of God now, softly. You just go and be. You go, if you're a child at home, you're just going to go home and just be. Alright? Okay, can I do child this afternoon? What does it mean to do child by child? You just be, isn't it? But we live in this world where we've got to go do now stuff for God. Let's go do. And it's not wrong to do, but your identity is never found in what you do. It's found in what God says you are. Amen. And so we read from the story of Moses that, that, that maybe to an extent, beautiful example, Abraham and Jochebed were just parents that wanted the best for their child. And for three months, she hit him. And then the beautiful story is that she was given back the son. To now raise him until he's weaned. Huh? I mean, and on top of that, Pharaoh's daughter paid for that. How's that? That's God's providence, isn't it? Like, man, I think the angels were like chuckling in heaven. King's Edict, kill all the boys. Your daughter is paying for a boy to actually be raised up to save this nation from you. I mean, can you imagine how God can. It's like. This guy, if he had the savvy to realize that his daughter had done this, and like, daughter, do you know? But eventually, they lost big time, and actually, they lost their firstborn because of their own saving another boy, so that God's plans could be fulfilled. Beautiful, beautiful story. So we're part of those stories today. If God wants to write through your life. Tomorrow. And we're going to just find out, first of all, our identity. Then we're going to say, God, please let me be fruitful. Like Jacobet was fruitful in a trying place. Please also help me, Lord, to see the potential in my children and the people around me. Like Jacobet said, this is a fine child. And let me be prepared, Lord God, to invest in helping those around me towards developing of who they are supposed to be. And Lord, let me have the faith that no matter what, I'm going to trust in you. That even I come to the place where I can't manage everything, I've got to put my child in a basket, or this project, or this business in a basket, or our family and our, and our finances, I've got to put it in a basket, Lord, I don't know what to do next. But I fully trust Step by step. So may God help us to leave that to Him. I want to ask Miles, and you can just get to the piano, please. I want to just give you some space to let this sink into your heart. I want to 
ask you to picture. Hypothetically, there's a basket here this morning. Where you are carrying things in your heart at the moment that has actually... Now listen, I, I, I can imagine how perhaps it may have become a pressure for, for Jacob. Moses is crying at night. Two and a half months old, and she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. If they hear, I don't know how it worked. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us how how the Egyptian soldiers went about, police or whatever they were, went about looking for boys that were just born. I don't know. But she had to hide him, meaning that there was some something taking place that put their lives at risk. And at one stage, you would have had to come to the place and say, God, I, I'm going to trust you now. Other kids are thrown into the river to die. We're going to put our child in the river too. But we're going to put him in a place where his life will be protected. And I can do as much as I can, do the whole basket, lay it out nicely, do all the practical things that I can. And I'm not releasing this child to you. I don't know if you're sitting with stuff here this morning that you know it's actually becoming too much for you to carry. And the basket this morning is not a physical one. The river is not close by. But what we're talking about is a understanding that God is able to do far exceedingly above what we could ever ask or think or imagine. So maybe there is this basket that you've got a picture in your mind that you've got to take some stuff. Maybe your own health has become too much to handle. God, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this anymore. They say this, they say that, and it's just too much. I'm going to just completely hand it over to you. Lord, Lord, my, my marriage, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this anymore. I don't know how we can bring some restitution and reconciliation and, and life and just, but, but I'm willing Lord God just let you take it my finances our business my situation at work I have no work I don't know how to deal with this anymore Lord God I want to just give it my relationship Lord God with my children with my parents with my friends I don't know just stuff just stuff and then on top of that Lord I'm trying so hard to make sure that my kids are well cared for and well educated and well trained and well this but actually it's it's a burden and I'm actually not coping well to give them what they really need and that's you I want to take this and ask you to help me to do it differently and to do it properly so Father this morning I want to thank you for Amram and Jochebed had lived thousands of years ago. Whose lives we can use as a as just a, a simple simple illustration and example of how we today could live. And I pray Holy Spirit that if there are people here this morning that need to not only pursue the root of true identity, be fruitful in a a difficult time. Lord God, to 
to recognize the fineness of other people and their children. But to this morning, say, Lord God, I've got to now hand over to you and say, here's a basket, Lord, I put whatever it is that I'm carrying into this basket. I want to pray that if that is you, you want to put stuff into a basket, you know what I'm talking about. Why don't you just stand up and say, God, I'm doing it. Whatever is in your heart, what is in your hands that you're feeling the heaviness of carrying today and have been carrying for a long time, I want to ask you just to stand and say, God, I'm doing the handing over process now. And I'm saying I cannot. And it's too much for me. Why don't you just stand? Why don't you just stand? And it's between you and God right now, hey? We just say, God, there's a basket. I thank you for the, the safety and the protection of this beautiful basket and what it represents. But I thank you this morning that I can come to you and say, here's my life. Here's my children. Lord God, I'm, I'm burdened. Even with that, I'm burdened because of finances. I'm burdened because of health. I'm burdened because of relationships. I'm, I'm just burdened. But I, I take these things and I give it to you. And that's what Jesus, you had promised us. You said, we can just give our burdens to you. And you'll take it and you'll carry it. And you'll look after it. And eventually, Lord God, it's so beautiful to see that Moses, who was grown up, you managed. You made it happen. And so, Father, I pray that whatever needs to grow up and to develop, According to your ways, I pray, Father, that we will be willing this morning just to give it to you. As people stand, to say, Father, here's my needs, here's my concerns, here's my, my issues. I pray that you look after this and let it develop, change, disappear into what you want it to look like. Father, I pray for faith in our hearts, Lord God, this morning as your people. I trust you fully the outcome of whatever it is that people are standing for. Father, you're faithful, you're able, and you're willing to do whatever it is that people have given into the basket this morning. Father, we trust you. Lord, as we go from here, we thank you that step by step, these things take place in our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. Identity comes from enjoying who you are and what you say about us. Fruitfulness comes as we recognize that, Lord God, there's your hand upon our lives and that enables us to be what you want us to be. And help us to see the fineness in people, Lord God. Help us to be like a Jokobet that said, this is a fine child. Help us to see that in others. I trust you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.